Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring comedian Joey Lewis, Fibber McGee and Molly, newscasters Chet Huntley and David Brinkley, and Steve Allen with his complete cast. One of the popular television shows of the 50s was the Colgate Comedy Hour. Each week, they would feature the finest in entertainment and top comedians from all over the country. Jokester Joey Lewis joined the show one evening with these results. Now appearing at the Copa is a man that won great fame. As a king of all the nightclubs, Joey Lewis is his name. Angeline Young. I've never seen so many happy cameras in front of me in my life. <laughs> and why they booked me on the Latin Quarter show, I'll never know. I'm no Latin, I ain't got a quarter, I know that. <laughs> I'm a Copacabana man. Been in that Copacabana basement for 15 years. I'm still no bargain, but I've been there 15 years. <laughs> now, I remember the original line of chorus girls we had at the Copacabana. Six of the prettiest girls you ever saw in your life. Five of them married very wealthy businessmen. The other one married a poor musician. And ladies and gentlemen, queer twist of fate. She's the only one who is truly miserable. This is <laughs> my piano player and conductor, a real John Philip South. <laughs> I want you to meet Mr. Mack, Austin Mack. Well, it wasn't too much of a hand for Matt, but he ain't too crazy about you either, so... <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget opening night 15 years ago. Mr. Mac was so nervous. Kept hitting the wrong notes all night. Till I had a couple of drinks, then he straightened out for a while. <laughs> and uh, 15 years is a long time, ladies and gentlemen. I can close my eyes and see him now. He looks much better this way, too. <laughs> I paid him $90 a week in those days. Seems like nothing compared to the 110 I pay him now, you know. <laughs> but we have a little song. Mr. Matt, a little... No knuckle, just the tips I want tonight. <laughs> Mr. Matt is a little tired, ladies and gentlemen. We closed a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the El Rancho Hotel. That's the best hotel out there for my money. <laughs> and uh, he never flies. He takes the train. Well, uh, it's a little tiresome. And uh, Mr. Mac don't fly a kind of his religion. Mr. Mac happens to be a devout coward, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's going to fly, you know. Play tips. <laughs> Las Vegas. Boy. It's only money, though. And you can't take it with you. And the way I'm going, I won't have enough to get there, you know. <laughs> My 
monies and everything. It just helps quiet the nerves a little bit, you know. <laughs> there are far more important things than money. Money can't buy everything. Can't buy poverty. Things like that will never buy. <laughs> May I quote the words of a wise old Spanish philosopher who said, show me a man with very little money and I will show you a bum. <laughs> Play the song, will you? It's a little song called The Girl Who Lives Across My Apartment Leads a Dog's Life So I Call the Rover. <laughs> And I know you're going to appreciate my voice, but don't get me mixed up with Debbie Reynolds or something like that, please. I haven't got a big voice, but it's thoroughly unpleasant, you know. One music critic described my voice recently. He said, I sound like the all-clear signal in a floating trap game. There's a certain melody, a sweet symphony, I hear it most every night and day. This rambling melody is like a symphony, a melody Schubert couldn't write. With its beat, 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 I keep sniffing like a little kitten on the run. It has every song ever written rolled up into one. G-G-M-O-P M-O-P-Q-R-S-T From L-A To N-Y-C It's R-A-G M-O-P-P And way down south in Dixie They sing rag pop In Dixieland They sing a strand Here's what they sing in Dixie R-A-G-G-M-O-P With us you made a hit Though U-V-W and Ajax means nothing we admit Come on along, come on along Come on along, this rack my band Come on along, come on along Here's the best hit in the land And you can keep those songs like old Black Joe At Swanee River Then I'll stop with singing Bob One radio team held the highest Hooper ratings for more than 10 years. Every Tuesday night across America, millions of listeners would tune in to hear Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, here's the sporting goods department, Molly, and I think I see the bowling ball display right down here. I always thought you were supposed to get fitted for a bowling ball and then have it made up especially for you. Well, that might be the way the featherheads do it, Molly, but this store handles a lot of unrepossessed balls that you can buy cheap just by finding one that fits your grip. Well, I hope you find one. I think it's a fine idea for you to take up bowling again. I'm not only going to take it up again, Molly, but I'm going to join one of the new winter leagues that's being formed down at Moody Marty's Recreation Center. I don't get out with the boys enough, and this will give me a chance. I'm in favor of that. You spend too much time around the house. Yeah. But do you think you're a good enough bowler to join a league? Huh, what a silly question to ask. Have you forgot how I used to roll strike after strike when I was in my heyday? Why, I can remember how the spectators all rose and applauded when I stepped up to bowl. Rose Bowl McGee, I was known as in them days. Somebody will hear you. 
Rose Bowl McGee, the rare raconteur of the recreational realm, raiding a rousing roar from the rainy rangelands of Rhodesia to the relatively respectable leaks of Romania, rolling round after round of remarkable scores and routing such reputable rogues as Ralph Rudolph, Robert, Richard, Roderick, Roland, Raymond, Reginald, and Reuben. <laughs> well, even if you don't do very well at it, it'll be good exercise for you. Oh, I'll do well at it. Don't you worry your lacquer-sprayed little head about that. I'll do well. Now, all I gotta do is find a ball that fits my grip. How about this one? Looks like it's in perfect condition. No, I saw that one. It's got two thumb holes in it, and I only got one thumb on my bowling hand. Well, here's one over here that's inexpensive. Yeah, let me try that. No, no. That must have belonged to a professional hitchhiker. Nobody else could have a thumb as well-developed as that. <laughs> you go ahead and look around. I'll see if I can find a clerk. Oh, ouch. What's the matter, McGee? Uh, oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, uh, I've decided to take this one. That's not a full-size bowling ball. That's a woman's or a child's model. This is the one I'm taking, Molly. Let's pay the man and get out of here. Look at him, McGee. It's got a big chip out of the side there. It'll never roll straight. Molly, don't argue with me. I'm buying this bowling ball. Well, it's just that I don't want to see you throw your money away. Look at that price tag. It's more expensive than some of the balls in good condition. My mind is made up, Molly. I'm going to take this one, and there's no two ways about it. Well, I've never seen you this obstinate before. Why do you insist on buying that old beaten-up ball? If you must know, I got my finger stuck in the hole and I can't get it out. Now let's pay the man and get out of here. Radio has a history that goes back more than 50 years. And to many of us, it seems like only yesterday that television was a babe in the woods. But TV, too, has a history. You may find it hard to believe, but it was almost 15 years ago that the famous news team of Chet Huntley and David Brinkley started saying goodnight to one another. The first broadcast was October 29, 1956, and in the ensuing years, they said goodnight over 3,000 times. On the morning of their last broadcast, Chet Huntley appeared on the NBC Today show and had these words about the way they planned to sign off their program. Oh, there was great commotion for about a week. How are we going to sign off? And finally, producer Reuben Frank, as Elliot Frankel says, went into one of his deep brown studies and came out and said, with, with a solution. Why don't they say goodnight to each other? And, it's, uh, it's become an institution now, really. <laughs> yeah. now, before we go on talking with Chet, we want to dip into history for a brief period and go back to the first time that Chet Huntley and David Brinkley ever worked together. That was anchoring the Democratic Convention coverage in Chicago in 1956, before the Huntley-Brinkley report began that fall. And we have a, uh, this is a black and white, necessarily, kinescope recording made on the third day of that 1956 convention. We'll show you an excerpt uh, from it now. This session today, this was more or less Ladies' Day at the National Democratic Convention. Uh, it featured Mrs. Katie Lockheim, the Director of Women's Activities of the Democratic National Committee. And uh, the delegates here also heard from a number of the Democratic representatives in Congress, all of them uh, ladies. It would seem that the women of the Democratic Party do have something of a justifiable complaint, and some references have been made to it already. Namely, these women are by no means low in numbers inside the Democratic ranks, and their strength is certainly being felt more and more all the time. And yet, they say when they come to a National Democratic Convention and make their speeches and make their appearances on the rostrum, that the men stay away in droves. So something is going to have to be resolved, else there will be another feud in this convention. Uh, David Brinkley, I believe you have some material there. I do. Uh, first, I'd like to refer to Jimmy Drew, who mentioned Governor Stevenson's spending habits. I have a, a bit of information about uh, Governor Harriman's. He owes me 10 cents. 
He uh, is said to be worth $40 million, but he never has a nickel in his pocket. One time, a few years ago, we were walking through the executive office building in Washington. He passed a candy machine and didn't have a dime. I lent him one, and I've never got it back. <laughs> that was the convention that nominated Adlai Stevenson, wasn't it? Right. <clears throat> and no, that was the, uh, for the second time. That was the second right. nomination. That's right, 56. A memorable moment in television history was the evening of Friday, July 31st, 1970, when Chet Huntley and David Brinkley said goodnight for the last time. Chet Huntley, NBC News, New York. And David Brinkley, NBC News, Washington. And so, this difficult um, moment is here. In leaving this post after almost 14 years, I recommend to you the NBC nightly news which begins tomorrow. It'll be in the most capable hands of David, John Chancellor, and Frank McGee. I'll be watching with interest and affection. I might also remind you that American journalism, all of it, is the best anywhere in the world. I want to thank the entire staff of NBC for this nightly broadcast has not been an individual effort by any means. And as for you out there, I thank you first for your patience then for your many kindnesses and the flattering things you have said and written. More difficult to take, to be sure, has been your criticism, but that too has been helpful and in most cases valid. But you have bolstered my conviction that this land contains an incredible quality and quantity of good common sense, and it's in no danger of being led down the primrose path by a journalist. At the risk of sounding presumptuous, I would say to all of you, be patient and have courage, for there will be better and happier news one day if we work at it. And David, thanks for these years of happy association and for being such an easy colleague to work with and for all the kindnesses. Chet, I too would like to thank all of those, uh, those of, who tune us in and put up with us particularly including those who write the nasty letters. McGee and Chancellor and I will be here every night and we'll miss you. Last night, NBC had a dinner for Chet and gave all of us a chance to say goodbye to him. And as a farewell gift, NBC gave him a horse. So Chet, when you ride away to the West, to Montana on your new horse, I will have to admit to at least a mild envy and when you're out there under clear skies and clean air, maybe once in a while you will think of those of us still here, fighting the traffic, the transportation breakdowns, strikes, pollution, and wondering what is left that we can eat, drink, smoke, or breathe that will not kill us, and wondering what horror will be visited upon us next. In these years, I have often been stopped in public by people always polite who knew I was either Huntley or Brinkley, but weren't sure which. And so they would ask, well, from now on, when somebody stops me in the street and says, aren't you Chet Huntley? I have an answer. It is no man. He is the one out west on the horse. I really don't want to say it, but the time has come. And so for the last time, good luck and good night, Chet. Good luck, David. And good night for NBC News. Steve Allen parodied the Huntley-Brinkley News broadcast one evening in November 1959 on his television show with this, the Nutley-Hinkley Report. Well, the nation is already counting the shopping days until Christmas, and soon the holiday season will be in full sway. So tonight, our own battery of ace reporters 
will put their fingers on the pre-Christmas pulse of the country as we present... The Weekly Nutley Hinkley Butley Winkley Report. Tonight reporting on Pre-Christmas USA. This is Chet Nutley in New York's Tin Pan Alley with a composer of Christmas songs. Now to Dave Hinckley. Thank you, Chet Nutley. This is Dave Winkley in Los Angeles with an instructor at a Santa Claus school. <laughs> now to Chet Butley. Thank you, Chet Nutley and Dave Hinckley. This is Chet Butley in Washington, D.C. with an official of the post office department. And now to Dave Winkley. Thank you, Chet Nutley, Dave Hinckley, and Chet Butley. This is Dave Winkley. <laughs> Kimberly, Kentucky, with a manufacturer of Christmas bells. This is Chet Nutley again in New York's famous Tin Pan Alley. Well, sir, the pre-holiday season finds America's tunesmiths concentrating, of course, on Christmas songs. With me here is one of America's most prolific songwriters, Irving Stuttgart. <laughs> Irving, tell us about your songs, the songs America will be singing this season. Well, make up your mind. You want to hear my songs or what America will be singing? <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what, what. Let's go to your songs. Now, you've written quite a few, haven't you? Yes, I, I have, uh, Steve. I've turned out quite a few. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. In fact, if I, if I may, I'd like to sit here right at the old 88... And just give you a little sample of my latest composition, if I may. Okay. And I don't think I... Yeah. Irving, Mr. Stuttgart, pardon me. Pardon me for just interrupting. I noticed you're just playing all that on one note. How many uh, songs like that have you written? 88. <laughs> Would you like to hear another one? No, no. See, I got this is Chet Nutley. Now today, Pinkley. This is Dave Hinckley at Santa Claus School in Los Angeles. Many people do not realize that every year courses are given to prospective Santa Clauses to teach them how Santa Claus is supposed to act and speak. What is your name, sir, and what course do you teach? My name, Jose Jimenez. <laughs> I teach to Santa Claus. I teach Santa Claus to speak. Yes, yes. <clears throat> well, we'll be back with Jose Jimenez. Jimenez. <laughs> uh, but now to Chet Butley. Butley. This is Chet Butley with Bradley Hadley, third assistant to the assistant, assistant postmaster general of the United States, who will say a few words on mailing Christmas packages, Mr. Hadley. Why not? <laughs> Number one. Mail all Christmas stuff early. In that way, 
You'll know that you've gotten all your Christmas stuff mailed. <laughs> Real early. <laughs> it gives you a lot of time then to horse around. <laughs> Always wrap packages properly. Now, although we try to learn our employees to be sort of careful, a lot of your junk gets all beat up a lot. <laughs> Here is a post office wrapped sample. A simple sample. If you're sending an eatable type food like to grandma or a relative, be sure that nothing can spill out of it. Yes, or that nothing can spill into it likewise. <laughs> and maybe poison it and kill grandma or that relative whom I spoke of. Now, this is a post office wrapped sample. Yes, I see. Yes. yes. <clears throat> and last, if it is something in a breakable gift, like a bottle of booze <laughs> or false teeth, it should be wrapped carefully and stamped fragile. <laughs> So that it will get special attention and not get clobbered all over the truck so much. Like this. All right now, remember the old-fashioned motto, which is hanging over the post office place. Neither snow, nor rain, nor... nor a lot of real heavy rain. <laughs> Nor poison ivy <laughs> can stay these mailmen on the swift completion of doing the mail thing nice. <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is Dave Hinckley, back with Jose Jimenez. You are back with me. <laughs> uh, yes, sir, I don't want to seem impertinent, uh, but just exactly what do you teach Santa Claus to say? Well, first I teach Santa Claus to laugh. You teach him to laugh? Yes, I teach him to say, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> now, this is Dave Hinckley, now to Chet Nutley. Thank you, Dave. This is Chet Nutley. Good night, Dave. This is Dave Hinckley. Good night, Chet. This is Chet Butley. Good night, Dave. This is Dave Winkley. Good night. up this edition of the golden days of radio this is frank brzee in hollywood california inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from radio's golden days this is the american forces radio and television service